are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Well, we're continuing a series of messages spotlighting some very important themes for our individual lives, our families, and our church family as we continue to learn and, and talk about what does it mean to invest in the next generation. During this series, we've already examined the importance of teamwork. We've examined the importance of leadership. This weekend, we're spotlighting the importance of guides and mentors in our life. Last week, we looked at one of the Apostle Paul's apprentices, a guy named Titus. This week, we're going to look at another of Paul's apprentices, a guy named Timothy. Now, if you're not real familiar with the Bible or uh, some of the characters in it, the Apostle Paul was this guy who uh, uh, was an early leader in the early church, and he planted churches all over the first century Roman world throughout Europe, and Asia. Uh, He wrote 13 of the 27 books that make up the New Testament portion of the Bible. And some of these New Testament books were written to churches or even groups of churches, but some of them were written to individuals. And and actually, the the character we're going to look at today, a guy named Timothy, Paul actually wrote not one but two letters to him. As he was, as the Apostle Paul was seeking to guide and mentor Timothy to lead the next generation of Jesus' followers. Now, before we actually zero in on on this fascinating mentoring relationship between Paul and Timothy, let's back up just a bit and ask a couple of questions about our subject matter today of guides and mentors. First of all, what does that term mean? What are we talking about when we're talking about being a guide or a mentor? According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a mentor is a trusted counselor or guide. It can also be defined as a tutor or a coach. Now, we uh, will see today the importance of having an experienced and trusted advisor in, in all of our lives, but also to provide that for those that are younger to help them grow and, and, and mature. Now, we see this need in other areas of our life. Those of us who are parents, we, we understand the importance of, from time to time, uh, arranging a math tutor for one of our children that maybe be struggling with math, or, or maybe if our kids are in soccer, maybe we get them a soccer trainer to give them some extra skill uh, direction, or, or if we have a talented, musical, uh, gifted child, maybe we even get a musical, vocal coach to come alongside them. Now, unfortunately, as we grow older, we can lose sight of our need for our ongoing training and counseling and guidance. And far too often, in the most important areas of our life, our spiritual growth and our relationships with others, We don't see the need for ongoing mentorship. This week, we're going to spotlight the mentoring relationship between Paul and Timothy, and and we hope that that this will highlight in all of our lives our need for ongoing 
mentoring and guidance in our personal lives. But also, hopefully, our, our goal is that, that you will be inspired to ask yourself, who can I be a guide or a mentor to? Especially as I look to those who are younger. And as we talk about as a church, being very intentional of investing in the next generation. Well, as we, as we open our Bibles in the book of Acts, which is a history of the early Christian church, we read about Paul's missionary trips. We, we see that, that as he would go plant churches in these various cities, he was always looking for those younger uh, individuals that he could influence and be a mentor and guide in their life so that they could rise up to be leaders in the early church. He planted churches, as I mentioned earlier, throughout Asia and Europe. And we're going to look at one particular city that, that Paul uh, visited several times. In fact, in each of his missionary journeys, he would stop through this city called Lystra. Lystra was an Asian city. Uh, it's actually, if you look on the map, and it's kind of hard to see on this map from far away, but, but it's east of Athens, Greece. It's actually in Asia. Uh, it's in the region of the world that today is called Turkey. Now, this was a city that didn't have a particularly strong faith heritage. And in fact, as Paul and Barnabas go in there to tell them about Jesus Christ, it's interesting, it's actually fascinating to see their response to him. So in Acts chapter 14, the first visit to Lystra, this is what we read. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas, that's verse 8. Now, if we kept reading, and just for time's sake, we're not going to read this whole section, we would learn that Paul and Barnabas heal a crippled man. And as a result of them miraculously stepping in and healing uh, this man, uh, some of the people there in Lystra even begin to view Paul and Barnabas as gods. In fact, they get confused and they think that, that they start calling Paul and Barnabas uh, Greek gods' names, okay, from Greek mythology. They call Barnabas Zeus, and because Paul was the spokesman, they call him Hermes. We see that they really didn't have a, a, a biblical, they didn't have a, an accurate understanding of the God of the Bible. And so they're new to faith. Now, in this context, Paul and Barnabas emphatically reminded them in verse 15. He says, we are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things, so these false gods, and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. It's important for us to note that a wise guide or mentor realizes that they are not to point the individual they're seeking to influence to themselves, but to point them to a greater source. Here, Paul and Barnabas are pointing the people to the living God. And also, I think this is a reminder to us that, that to not exalt mentors or guides beyond the role that they should be seen in, that they're simply human. Now, the flip side of this is for those of us that are willing to answer the call to be a mentor or guide to those that are younger or younger in the faith, it's a reminder that we don't have to be perfect to be a mentor or guide. We just have to be willing 
to come alongside someone and for them to be willing to maybe at times lean on us when they need some extra strength. So Paul and Barnabas used this opportunity to tell the people of Lystra the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, as we mentioned earlier, the people of Lystra… Now, by the way, when I was writing my message and I I write out, I write out a manuscript, and I write out, I kept writing the people of Lystra, and I thought, what do you call the people of Lystra? You know, uh, the the people from Philistia, you call Philistines, right? So I I kept being tempted to say the Listerines, okay, but but I don't think that's where this that term came from. But uh, but you see that they really didn't have a good foundation for faith. In fact, they're very fickle. In fact, if we keep reading, there were some Jewish opponents of Paul and Barnabas that came from some other neighboring cities, and they persuade the crowd that they shouldn't listen to Paul and Barnabas. So, on one moment, they're ready to to crown them gods. And then, just in a short period of time, they, they start persecuting them. In fact, it says that they even stoned them. In fact, it's such an intense uprising against Paul and Barnabas that they even think Paul's dead. Now, I tried to picture that. Can you imagine how many stones must have hit Paul? And sometimes we lose sight of, of the persecution that these early Christians endured. In fact, I just get the picture maybe he was one stone being hit in the temple area of being dead. And so, what, what, a, what a fickle crowd, what a contrast. But we see that Paul is an example of being a mentor that is willing to stand up and speak the truth. He was willing to be bold and to tell people not necessarily what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. This leads us to our second question in the study notes, if you're following along. Why is there a need for guides and mentors? Well, as Andrew, our student minister, when he co-taught with me last week, by the way, he did a great job last week teaching and preaching. We're, we're so blessed to have Andrew and the rest of our ministry staff here. But, but Andrew did a wonderful job pointing out last week that we're living in a time period that that uh, people that try to describe our culture and our history and our generation describe us as being a postmodern people. Some are even describing as post-Christian, or some have even gone so far as to say that we live in a time of post-truth. Now, with that said, there's even a greater need in this generation and for the next generation, for individuals to to stand up and speak the truth into lives of others, especially those who are younger. As we continue in the book of Acts, we see that Paul returns to Lystra on a future mission trip, and he does exactly that. He meets a young Jesus follower who will become his most famous apprentice. In Acts 16, verse 1, we read this, Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Now, here we learn a couple things about this character we're spotlighting this weekend, Timothy. He was a young disciple. First of all, he was young. 
Some historians believe that Paul, uh, Timothy was as young as 18 to 20 years old. Now, I want you to try to picture in your mind Timothy as being an 18-year-old, a senior in high school. And Paul says, okay, this is, this is a guy I want to really pour into. This guy has promise. This is a guy that could be a, a future leader for this next generation. Secondly, we're told that, that Timothy was a disciple. Now, if you're newer to the Bible, this term disciple might be something you're not familiar with. But here at Southwest, we emphasize the importance of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. That word disciple means literally student or learner. And we try to stress here at Southwest, not just in our, in our teaching to adults, but our teaching to our students and our teaching even to our children, that we're called to be disciples or followers of Jesus. And we seek to look back to the very invitation that Jesus gave at the very beginning when he started calling people to be his disciples of what does that mean. In Matthew 4, verse 19, and, and by the way, those little letters after the the, the reference for Bible are the different versions that we're, we're copying Scripture from. And this is NIRV, and this is the New International Reader's Version, okay? It's written for the third grade level. It's a version I really enjoy reading from, okay? It's just really easy to understand and comprehend. comprehend. And at the third grade level, this is what Jesus' initial invitation was, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. We've visited this before, but it's so important for us to not lose sight that, that to be a disciple of Jesus means a threefold aspect. Well, first of all, it's the head, that, that decision that we are going to intentionally follow Jesus in our everyday life, that we just don't worship with him on the weekends, but that we are trying to learn from him and learn how to live our lives. Monday through Saturday, we're seeking to follow his example. Have you made that intentional decision with your head that you want to learn from Jesus of how to live life? The second part of that definition is Jesus says, I will make you. We, we describe that as the heart decision. That heart decision saying, I want to be made new. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. And then the hands-on as I uh, become a fisher of people, that, that we get involved with our lives and that we intentionally participate in, in ways to influence others to also become Jesus' followers. Next weekend is an opportunity for us to be hands-on in packing food and meals that can be distributed to people in another part of the world that will influence them to look to Jesus. Are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Are you, are you following him with your head, your heart, and your hands? We're committed here at Southwest to being disciples. We're told Timothy was a disciple. He had made that decision. And as we, keep, we go back to Acts 16 and verse 2, it says, Timothy, his mother, was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Here we learn that Timothy's dad was Greek. He was not Jewish. And yet his mother came from a Jewish background. 
and that she had become a believer in Jesus. She was likely one of the very first converts to become a Jesus follower there in Lystra. One author that I read preparing for this message even hypothesized that that she would have been one of the people that would have gathered around Paul after he was persecuted and, and stoned and left for dead. Maybe she was even one of the ones that nursed him back to health. We're going to get a sense of that a little bit later in one of the other verses we read. So she has become a Christian. Now when Paul comes back through on his second missionary journey to Lystra, he finds Timothy is now also a follower of Jesus. And so, in fact, not only is he following Jesus, but he's gained the respect of believers throughout the region. And yet it's important for us to note or to mention that it doesn't seem that Timothy's dad is in the picture. There's no mention of Timothy's dad being a person of faith. And, and besides the fact that he was Greek, that's all we're told about him. One of my passions in life is to see men stand up, Christian men, stand up to be strong leaders in their families. In my years as a public school teacher years ago, when I was freshly out of college, it didn't take me long to pick up on when, when I started seeing children in the classroom that were having difficulty following direction, when I started seeing uh, especially young boys that struggled with anger, I started picking up, okay, which children, which junior high and high school students, when I taught at that level, which of them had a dad in their life? It was actually pretty easy to pick up those that were not having that strong father figure in their life. And even as a young man, I, I, I started seeing the desperate need for Christian men to, to rise up and, and to be an influence in the lives of their children because it was evident to me as a public school teacher, the ones who had that influence and also those that didn't. Now, don't get me wrong. Moms play a very important role in the lives of children as well. And I'm thrilled here at Southwest that we're looking for ways for mothers and fathers to be involved, actively involved, and intentionally involved in the lives of their children. For example, this weekend, we've got the mom, uh, son, mother and son bowling event. And it's this afternoon. And as was mentioned last week, you never underestimate the influence of 50-plus women, you know, pouring into their their sons. And it's not too late to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby, and you can still sign up. I heard 55 women have already signed up to participate. Maybe you could join them with your son. And yet, I believe that children and young people need the strong influence of both mom and dad. So, I'm grateful that our men's ministry is sponsoring once again this Friday a father-daughter dance. Now, this is something we started actually the year that my two daughters got married. And so the very first father-daughter dance, I was able to have both of them be here for. I wish so much that we would have started this when they were younger. Because it's so important for dads to have that influence. Dads, don't miss this opportunity. 
this Friday to really lean in and to really be an influence in your daughter's life. Although we didn't have a mother, uh, excuse me, father-daughter dance when, when my girls were growing up, we did have a rule in our family that before they went out on that first date, they had to first go out on a date with dad. And we, we tried really hard, Jane and I tried really hard to make that really special. Uh, I think at times that was kind of a deterrent for them to start dating, okay? Because they, they knew they first of all had to go out on a date with dad before they could start dating someone else. And, and so, but we did it right. We dressed up. You know, they got to pick the movie of their choice. I got to pick the rating, but uh, they picked the movie of their choice. Before the movie, we'd go to dinner. We went to a movie. And then after the movie, we went out for dessert. We made it a whole evening. And during the dessert with both daughters, I talked to them about how important and how precious they were to me. And how that, that just like I had tried to treat them to a special night, and to be a real gentleman in their life. That I expected them, and for them to expect any young man that would date them, to treat them with that kind of respect. I talked to them about not letting them touch, you know, a young man touch them or treat them in an improper way. And the importance of them, of understanding how precious they were in God's sight and my sight. I think even though at times there was an awkwardness, it was worth spending that time, that investment in my daughter's lives. Men, are you standing up and being that guide, that mentor in your daughter's life? You see, it's so important, parents, that we take our responsibility seriously. Unfortunately, there's too many young Young men, young women, young boys, young girls, they don't have that kind of influence in their life. In fact, next weekend, I've got a good friend, a long-term friend that, that was formerly a minister with a church in Cincinnati. He's, he's left the, the, the local church ministry to work now with an organization that's uh, sponsoring foster parenting. And his whole passion now is to try to connect uh, children that need a good foster parent with, with individuals that are willing to come alongside and be a guide and a mentor in young people's lives. So next weekend, we're going to have my friend here, and I'm going to interview him on stage in all three of our services, and, and he's going to stick around afterwards and uh, be available for anybody that's interested in learning more about foster parenting. So if that speaks to you or if you know someone that, that would be interested in that, we want to encourage you to come back next weekend as we talk of spotlighting some of the forgotten people in our culture. Well, let's go back to our text. As we keep reading, we learn that Paul wants to take Timothy with him on his mission trip and mentor Timothy. In verse 3 of Acts 16, it says, So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town instructing the believers. We skip on to verse 5. He says, So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Now, just a reminder, it was widely known that Timothy's dad was not Jewish. 
And this time, differently than our example from last week, where Titus was not circumcised, Paul arranges for Timothy. Now, think about that. An 18-year-old man, possibly, maybe even 20, to be circumcised. Now, we don't want to dwell on this point, but I've thought about that. I wonder how that conversation went, where Timothy says, you want me to do what? You see, Paul says, it's not essential for salvation, but I just want to be sensitive to both the Jewish and the non-Jewish believers out there. And so, I'm impressed. Timothy, as a willing apprentice, says, okay, if that's what's best for the kingdom of God, I'm willing to do it. Now, before we transition to talk about the role of guides and mentors, I I want to make a few more personal comments to parents. I'm sorry if I'm really leaning in here heavily this weekend, but, but I'm not going to apologize because I think parents, we have to, to really take our responsibility seriously. Never underestimate, parents, the important role that you play in the lives of your children. Make it a priority to provide direction and guidance for your children. Now, I know when they get to junior high and high school, they, they begin to act like they don't want you around, and yet I want to urge you to stay involved in their lives. Another thing that's so important for parents is to make sure that we are aware of the influences in our children's lives. Who are their friends? Who are their heroes? Who are the teachers and coaches who inspire them? Who are the guide, the people that they're looking for guidance? Remember, in the absence of good guidance, they will be following someone. Do you know who it is? And I want to share one other thought with you, and, and, and this, is, this is something I wish I would have even taken more seriously when my children were younger. I think especially as they get older, I think parents need to be intentional in thinking about who else is influencing my child. You see, there comes a point where maybe, maybe they start tuning mom and dad out a little bit, but maybe we can make sure that they've got that Christian influence in their life that's coming alongside them to be a guide, to be a mentor, to pour into their life in a positive way. Because we know there's some competing voices out there. That's why I'm so grateful here at Southwest for the approximately 80 volunteers we have here at Southwest that are, are committed to serving in our children's ministry. Whether it be as an assistant teacher or teacher, they're, they're, they're coming alongside children here at Southwest to, to be that positive role model. For those of you who are serving in the children's ministry, thank you. We need more and more people as we see more and more children come here to Southwest. We need more and more guides and mentors to come alongside these children. I'm also grateful for the five dedicated volunteers that, that, that come back to the church building or the YMCA every Sunday evening to pour into the lives of junior high students. And I tell you what, you're my heroes. I used to be a public school teacher, and I taught high school and junior high. The longest year of my life was the year I taught junior high, okay? I, I just, I, people that are good at pouring into that age and invest, I mean, my hat's off to them. That's a tough age. 
But I'm so grateful for the, the volunteers we have at Southwest that are pouring into junior high students. Thank you. I'm thankful for the seven volunteers that are committed to being here every Sunday evening to pour in the lives of high school students. You see, there's a need for more and more men and women here at Southwest to, to step up and say, you know what? I'll be a guide and a mentor to a junior high student. I'll be a guide and a mentor in the life of a high school student because that's such a, that's such a vulnerable age. And it's so important that we have Christian influences in their lives. Now, one of the reasons why we entitled this message Guide and Mentor is we know that some of you are going to say, well, I don't know enough to be a mentor. Or I've not a, you know, I'm not where I need to be to be a mentor. Well, maybe you could just be a guide. Just come along and guide others. Listen to what they're going through. Just be that person that they can lean on at a time of need. We get a sense that that's what Paul did for Timothy. And let's look in a little bit closer. What should be the focus of those individuals that are willing to be guides and mentors? We get a sense of that when we read these letters, First and Second Timothy. We don't have time to do justice today, but let's just zero in on a couple of things that's said in one of those letters, Second Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul writes, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. What do you see that Paul provided for Timothy? I see gentleness and tenderness. I see encouragement. Now, I know that Paul was a bold teacher and preacher who would speak the truth into people's lives, and I'm I'm convinced he did that in Timothy's life. And yet, I see that the focus of their relationship was that of encouragement. Paul reminds Timothy of the faith of his mother and his grandmother. He praises him for the genuine faith and tender heart that he saw in him. And maybe most importantly, he lets Timothy know that he is praying for him daily. In fact, he says night and day. Maybe maybe this idea of being a mentor is new to you. But maybe, just maybe... We could inspire everyone here at Southwest to say, you know, I don't know what I can offer the next generation, but maybe I could just pick out one junior high or high school student and just start praying for them every day, just to be a prayer guide. Maybe that's a role that you could begin with. You see, it's important that we as a church truly invest in those that are younger so that they will grow to be strong people of faith. Is there someone in your family who needs a praying guide or mentor? Is there someone at work, maybe that's new to the company and just needs someone to lean on at times, just a guiding friend? 
Is there someone in your small group or, or someone that's newer to Southwest than you are that, that you could just be a guide? You could come alongside them and encourage them and pray for them and let them lean on you at times. Now, before we look more directly in this role of, of guide or mentor, let's look briefly at what attitude is necessary to be guided or mentored. We see this in, in, in Timothy's heart. In Philippians 2, I love this passage. In verse 20, it says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves, not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. In this relationship, we see that, that Timothy excelled as an apprentice because he was willing to learn from Paul and respected him as a father. Timothy went on to be an influential church leader, co-authoring six of Paul's letters that were recorded in the Bible. And yet, we see that this relationship wasn't simply a one-way street, but that, yes, Timothy was learning from Paul, but he was also concerned about his welfare as well. Preparing for this message, I sat down and reflected on the various mentors I've had through the years. In my 32 years of church leadership, I've had eight different mentors who've greatly influenced me. In fact, as I reflect on my own personal spiritual growth, the times in my life and my ministry that I felt the most stagnant were times that I didn't have someone that was truly mentoring me or I wasn't seeking that influence in my life. You see, I don't think we ever outgrow the need to have a mentor. In fact, if you live long enough, you start having a mentor younger than you. That's what I've got right now. My coach is younger than me, but I'm learning from him. How about you? Are you seeking that influence in your life to help you grow? Or have you already arrived? Or maybe better yet, have you already become stagnant? Let's take our cue from Timothy, always longing to have people help us grow. As we close out our time together, let's ask one more question. Who should be a guide and a mentor? To answer that question, let's look at what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I love this passage because we see four generations. We see Paul. We see Timothy, and t Paul told Timothy, find trustworthy people that can pass this on to others. Four generations. I think the question, the answer to the question, who can be a guide or mentor? It's anybody who's willing to pass on to someone else what's been passed on to you. You see, I'm convinced everyone needs a Paul, somebody to mentor them. But I'm also convinced that everyone that's trustworthy and, and, and is a follower of Jesus needs a Timothy, somebody that they're pouring into. Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Well, as we close, a good guide will make sure they're guiding people to the right source. That's what Paul did with Timothy. He guided him to put his trust totally 
in Jesus Christ. In fact, in, in that same chapter, 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Paul says, The most important thing I want to pass on to you, Timothy, is who I'm trusting, and that's Jesus Christ. And Paul says, listen, if you don't remember anything else I've taught you, Timothy, make sure you remember Jesus Christ. Now, I like how Paul says, this is my gospel. That's what he was personally passing on to Timothy. I don't think that he's saying he came up with a new gospel. The, the gospel's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And yet, Paul says, I've personalized it. It's become mine. And now I'm passing it on to you. Here at Southwest, we take communion every weekend because we want to make sure that we personalize this gospel message, that we reflect and we remember Jesus who died for us, that we remember that He is our Savior and our Lord, and that it's Him that we're following. Oh, we might learn from others that are our guide or mentor but we're ultimately following Jesus. That's who we're passing on to others, that message. Have you made the gospel yours like Paul did? Do you have a a message to pass on to your children and the next generation? As we take communion, let's reflect on the one that we're following and let's personalize that gospel. Pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the people that you've brought into our life to point us to him. But help us make sure that we keep our focus not on those that influence us, but on those that influenced us to follow Jesus. Help us focus on him. Help us during this time of communion to remember his death, to remember his burial, to remember his resurrection. Help us truly examine our lives and ask ourselves, are we responding to that gospel message? Are we embracing it? And are we passing it on to others? Help this be a meaningful time reflection and communion with you. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings. Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and 11.15 a.m.